Welcome to this week's podcast of Bergen Park Church from Evergreen, Colorado. We hope you enjoy this message, and if you'd like to hear any more or learn more about the church, please visit bergenparkchurch.org. Well, welcome to Bergen Park Church. We're glad that you're gathered with us this morning. It's so good to, it's good to see you. We love you guys. Hey, I want to start off, uh, we're going to begin a new series today on discovering your identity and calling. And as we begin a new year, one of the practices that I have, rhythms in my life, is to kind of look at the things that I invested my time into and to say, in the beginning of this year, what do I need to get rid of? Because we always want to start something new. I mean, every new year, you got new goals, new desires, but if you don't take something out, you really can't put something else in. And so what were the things that kept you from God or kept you from family or kept you from the things that were important over the last year? It could be as simple as watching news too much. I don't know if that hits anybody, but it might. Or simply having noise. I'm somebody that has noise 24-7. I listen, you're going to find out, to a ton of podcasts. I'm about to share with you my top three. I always have to have noise. And I found out that in the beginning of this year, I just need to turn it off. And then I find out that there's thoughts in my head. (laughs) And, and God's speaking, the Spirit of God is speaking to you. But see, if we don't take away, we can't step in. And so I, I want to encourage you this morning just to step in and to take away. And I'm going to share with you over the last year, I'm going to share three resources in different areas, three podcasts, three books, because this new series is based on a book that really impacted me this year. And the first thing I want to share is three podcasts that I found incredibly helpful over the last year. And when I share these things, I understand I'm not endorsing everything that people say on them. So if you listen and you don't like it, don't come to me. Don't get angry at me. I I didn't produce it. I'm just sharing what kind of blessed me. And these are three podcasts that blessed me. I listen to a lot of podcasts, probably way too much. But these were three in different areas. Some of them are dealing with contemporary issues like the Holy Post. Obviously, Theology in the Raw is about... Okay, thank you. It's about theology. And the place we find ourselves, actually by a guy named uh, Adam Young, he's out of Fort Collins. It's a counseling podcast. We like counseling. He's got a Christian perspective, really interesting, really fascinating, shares a lot of stories about people that have gone through traumas and difficulties, how their faith in Christ impacts them. It was really a blessing to me over this year. The next is three apps. I know apps are big. And here are three apps that really blessed me in my own walk with the Lord. The first is Lectio 365, which is a prayer app. It kind of guides you in meditated prayer. With God Daily is a daily devotional. It's actually a subscription-based. So if you go there, it's not, that one's not free. And then I just started using Pray As You Go. It's fantastic. So if you want to get into prayer, you need some guided meditation. What they do is they'll read a passage and really kind of take you deeper into that passage, give you some thoughts, and then some time just to reflect the Lord. So if you're not praying regularly, Lectio 365, Pray As You Go, Awesome, awesome resources to step into the Lord. And then finally, three books. I read probably 12 books. I don't read a ton, but about a book a month. And these were the three books, some I'd read before, but really stuck and hit me this year. The first is Voice of the Heart by Chip Dodd. Voice of the Heart addresses the issues of, you could say it, the heart, meaning emotions. And what it's trying to train you to do is to feel your feelings and to tell the truth. And as a a male of the species, that's not a gift of mine. 
I didn't grow up in a very emotionally connected way. And so this was a book that really helped me to integrate my emotional life into my relationship with God. The middle one is a systematic theology book, because <laughs> I, I enjoy that. It's called Evangelical Theology by a guy named Michael Bird, who is actually an Anglican, and he's from Australia. What I love about him is that he can speak into the American context outside the fishbowl. Do you understand how important that is? Because in the American context, there's things that we think are so important, and the rest of the world are going, what are you guys doing? You're missing it. And so Michael Bird's a guy for me that was really helpful. And then this series is based on a book <clears throat> called The Gift of Being Yourself by David Benner. It sounds like a psychology book, actually a theology book, and it's the theology of identity. How does your identity influence the way you live your life? And that's what we're going to begin looking at today is your identity and calling. Because, see, your identity influences the choices you make, and it influences the path that you're on in life. And so what I want to do is I want to start by just identifying and kind of defining two words, identity and calling. What is identity? What is calling? If you want to put that slide up, identity is who you are, essentially. Now, in the Christian life, it's who you are, but it's also who you're becoming in Christ. And so those two realities play. But also your calling is what you do. So identity, who you are, calling what you do. Now in your calling, you have a general calling that all of us have to love God and love our neighbors or self. But you also have a very specific calling based on your talents, abilities, callings, uh, nuances in your life. And so calling is what we do. Identity refers to who you are. And in the Christian life, the process of understanding your identity is called spiritual formation. Spiritual formation is the process of growing into the likeness of Christ. And part of growing to the likeness of Christ in your discipleship to Jesus is you follow Jesus to understand what does God say about me? And then here's the second part, do I believe it? That's the biggest risk right there. That's the biggest step is do you believe what God says about you? And then third, what are the things in your life that are influencing your identity that are good, but they're not God? They're good things. They're great things, but they're influencing how you see yourself. So when it comes to identity, who you are, let's just unpack that a little bit, and then we're gonna go to some scriptural examples where we see this, because we wanna ground our ideas in the Bible. When it comes to identity, identity refers to the core. It's the, what's identical about you. You can think of it that way. What's same about you, regardless of where you are? So I am a husband, uh, I'm a father, I'm a son, my parents are alive, I'm a brother, uh, I'm an American, I'm Anglo, uh, I'm a pastor. Those are hats and roles that I wear. But my identity refers to what is the same about me regardless of where I am. It, it really reveals my core identity. So what's same about you regardless of where you are? And then second, identity also refers to where you find your worth and value. What do you look to to feel significance? to feel loved, to feel cared for, to feel that you have value in life. That's where your identity comes from. And here's the big idea of this series. You ready for this? Your knowledge of God, as your knowledge of God increases, your knowledge of self should increase. And if your knowledge of self doesn't increase with your knowledge of God, you're not gonna know God. Now I'm gonna prove that to you, so just, just wait. But as your knowledge of self increases, there's also a greater opportunity to know God better. And in theology, those two ideas are linked. Your knowledge of self and your knowledge of God, honestly, they grow together. 
Why? Real simple, it's called a relationship, right? You're in a relationship with a God, with God, and so therefore, in relationship, right, you have to know that person, but you also have to know yourself. And if you don't know yourself, you're not gonna know that person very well. And so that's what we're gonna jump into. And, and I wanna start with Peter. Because Peter's somebody who in the scripture, you see his identity change over time. I mean, this guy goes from impulsive, lack of humility to humility, leadership. He just, he absolutely changes. Actually, before I do that, I wanna share a couple of, couple of quotes. The first is from Augustine. In his famous book, Confessions, he said this. He said, how can you draw close to God when you're far from your own self? And then he prayed this very famous prayer. Grant, Lord, that I may know myself, that I may know thee. Now, another Catholic, St. Teresa of Avalon, a mystic, she said it this way, and this is pretty stark. She said, almost all problems in the spiritual life stem from a lack of self-knowledge. Now, if you're not into the Catholic mystics, so let's go to the Protestant side. We, we're on the same theme. John Calvin in his institute says this. Without the knowledge of self, notice there is no knowledge of God. Then he goes on to explain. Our wisdom consists almost entirely of two parts, the knowledge of God and of ourselves. But these are connected together by many ties. It's not easy to, de to, to determine which of the two proceeds and gives birth to the other. Do you see that relationship? He's saying as you know God, you come to know yourself. But as you come to know yourself, you come to know God. And so let's turn to Peter now in in the book of Matthew, chapter 26, and kind of look at a moment in Peter's life. We're gonna jump back to Peter a little bit later, but in Matthew 26, Jesus is with all his disciples. They're all gathered together with Peter, and Jesus says to his disciples, you're all gonna fail me. Good pep talk, right? You're all gonna run away, right? And he's saying this to everybody. Everybody's there. What is Peter gonna do? I mean, this is Jesus speaking. He should listen. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. James hadn't told him that yet. Instead, what Peter does is he's like, no, Jesus, you're not right. Knowledge of self, very low. Knowledge of God, very low. So watch this moment. Jesus is telling his disciples, you're all gonna fall away. Notice Matthew 26, verse 33, Peter answers him. And remember, all the disciples are with him, right? Look what he says. Though they all fall away. See these chumps right here? You brothers, you're gonna fall away. What's his identity in? His faithfulness. I'm Peter. I'm courageous and I am faithful, Jesus. These chumps, they fall away, not me. I will never fall away. Okay, verse 34, here's a little love from Jesus. He doesn't rebuke him, he just says, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, Peter, you're gonna deny me three times. Okay, so second time. You think he'd listen this time. Absolutely not. Verse 35, no self-awareness. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. What in the world's going on? See, as Peter looks into his heart, his identity is based on his courage and his faithfulness. So what can't he see? What can't he admit to? His fear. Because that's not who I am. I'm courageous. And his identity is based on his faithfulness, and here's the key, not on Jesus' faithfulness to him. 
His identity is based on the fact that I'm going to do it right. And so when he looks into his heart in this moment, he can't see cowardice. Because see, to see cowardice is to deny his identity. I don't have a self. And so what has to happen is Peter has to die to himself. You've heard that? And then he's got to come alive to God. Now, how's that going to happen? Through abject failure. Peter is going to deny Jesus three times. And then it gets worse. Jesus dies. Darkness. But what happens? Now, if you look at the rest of the story, Jesus comes back and restores Peter. And what does he see in that moment? He sees the depths of God's love and faithfulness. Maybe for the first time, right? And as his knowledge of God increases, gosh, look how faithful God is. I just absolutely failed him, blew it. Suddenly, he can be honest about himself. Do you see that for the first time? I am not faithful. God is faithful. He loves me, therefore I can be faithful. His self-awareness and his awareness of God, they grow together. They grow together. And so in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Pete Scazzaro says this. Pete Scazzaro says, the vast majority of us, and this is a stark statement, go to our graves without knowing who we are. It's a pretty haunting line. Then he explains, the vast majority of us go to our graves without knowing who we are. We unconsciously live someone else's life. Comparison. Or at least someone else's expectations of us. And this does violence to ourselves, our relationship with God, and ultimately our relationship to others. Does that make sense? That often we're trying to live up to the expectations of the world. Could I say the expectations of my money? Of my wealth? If my wealth decreases, my identity decreases. Sometimes we're trying to live up to the expectations of our sexuality. Our political party becomes our identity. Because see, you know it's your identity when you see other people through it. And you could ignore the teachings of Jesus and treat people however you want because maybe it's your sexuality that's driving things or it's your political views that drive things. It's not your identity in Christ that drives things. And so your identity is that which, through which you see yourself, God, and you see others. And the reality is, as you look at Scripture, understanding your identity, it's a process. There are key moments in life where you come to faith or maybe God does something miraculous in your life. He opens your eyes, you're reading scripture and you start to understand it. But it's really something that takes place over time as you trust more and more who God is and you start to rely upon him more. That process of spiritual formation and transformation into the likeness of Christ happens. Now, I wanna show you some examples of that and let's start with Jesus. We don't think of Jesus as, as growing in his identity, but he's human. And Luke actually says he grew in wisdom and knowledge. And so I have to assume he grew in his understanding of who he was. And theologians will talk about that. When did Jesus understand really who he was? Was it at birth? Probably not right at birth, because he grew up. Now we see at the age of 12, if you remember that moment, he's in the temple, right? And his parents are like, where the, where the heck are you? Where have you been? And he had a self-awareness. Don't you know I need to be in my father's house? And you start to see his identity reflecting how he's living because it's flowing out together. And the key moment, many theologians will say, is in Matthew chapter 3. Hold on, I'm kind of bumping here. Matthew chapter 3, we see Jesus' baptism. I want to go there. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. 
And this is the launching point, realize, into Jesus' ministry. It starts with his baptism. And Jesus' life is, is bookmarked by two realities, his baptism and the, Lord's, and the transfiguration. And in the transfiguration and in the baptism, the Father says the same thing to Jesus. You are my son, whom I love. With you I'm well pleased. That's a, a marker of identity. So let's read this. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. When Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized him, John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And Peter answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice of heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Now this is a key moment in Jesus' self-understanding and in his identity in which the Father, the Holy Spirit, Jesus are together. He's being baptized. And you hear the voice of God pronouncing, This is my Son. Now notice, it's not just, You're my Son, but I love you and I'm pleased with you. Now, what has Jesus done according to the gospel? We're chapter three. What has he done to this point? What has he done? Nothing. It's where identity comes from. It doesn't come from your performance. The Christian identity is something we receive from God. Jesus received it from God. And before he launched out into his ministry, he first had to receive that identity and affirmation from the Father. The Father's pleased with him, though he hasn't really done much yet. And he belongs to the Father. And this idea of son reflects the Old Testament idea of Messiah. Because the Messiah in the Old Testament, the one who would usher in the kingdom of God, was called the Son of God. And what Jesus is receiving at this point, whether he knew it before or not, he's receiving his identity, but he's also receiving what he's called to do. Because as the Son of God, he knows what he's called to do to usher in God's kingdom. Now, immediately what you find is in Matthew chapter 4, you turn the chapter... What's going to be questioned is his identity because he's going to be tempted, remember, for 40 days. Now, what does Satan want to do? Make him sin? No, he wants to make him doubt his identity. If he doubts his identity, he owns the life of Jesus. Now, watch what happens. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. And then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. It's pretty obvious. And the tempter came to him and said, what? What did the father just say to him? You are my son. If you are the son of God, are you really who the father says you are? And then he tempts him to power. He says, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus, use your identity for your benefit. Don't get your instructions from the Father. Be your own man. It's a temptation to power through questioning his identity. And it goes on. Notice the same temptation comes in verse 5. Here's the second one. And the devil took him to the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple. So if you're on the pinnacle of the temple, that's the most crowded area in Jerusalem. People are all below him and said to him, again, who are you? Are you really the son of God? If you are, then throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command. Notice Satan loves to quote scripture. He is a wolf in sheep's clothing. 
He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up. You will lest you fight, strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. At this point, it's not power, but prestige. Hey, throw yourself down. Everyone will be like, dude, you're amazing. You jumped off the temple, and the angels picked you up. But it's through a questioning of his, his identity. Hey, use your identity for your benefit. Get power. Get prestige. The last thing he says is get possessions. So watch this in verse eight. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you. Notice, if you'll just fall down and worship me. If you'll abandon the Father and abandon your identity and give yourself to me, all these possessions will be yours. And Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil left him. And behold, the angels came and minister to him. See, if the devil sought to question Jesus' identity as a means of controlling his life, what is he gonna question in your life? What's the number one thing he's gonna tempt you with? And see, we tend to think of the devil as tempting us just to do the wrong things. I think his greatest strategy is to believe the wrong things. To believe the wrong things about what, who God is and who God says you are. And yet we don't rebuke ourselves when we just blow ourselves up and deny what God says, that you are beloved, you are chosen, hey, listen, we know you got sin in your life, I got it too. And yet, can you just receive by faith, because apart from faith, it's impossible to please God, can you just receive what God says about you? And then in prayer, maybe your prayer life will come alive. If you just start talking to God and say, God, listen, I don't believe that about myself. He's like, listen, I already, I already know that. Thank you for identifying that. Let's work on that together. If by faith you, oh man, this is really annoying. I can't move, guys. I just can't move anymore. If by faith you'll just trust what he says. And so that's a process. We see it in Jesus' life. How about John? John the Baptist. I want to go there. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Actually, we just looked at Matthew chapter 4. This is John chapter 1, verse 19. John the Baptist. John 1, verse 19. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem, John 1, 19, and notice they ask him, who are you? What's your identity? And he confessed, and he did not deny, but confessed, I'm not the Christ, which means people were trying to make him the Messiah. Hey, that'd been cool, right? Hey, all these people think I'm powerful. I mean, that'd be a temptation to give into right there. And he says, listen, that's not who I am. I'm not that guy. And then they ask him, what them? Are you Elijah? That'd be cool. No. I know who I am. I'm not the Christ. I'm not Elijah. Are you a prophet? Nope. Who are you? Look, verse 22. Okay, who are you? John, tell us. We need to give an answer to those who sent it. What do you say about yourself? He knows who he is, so he knows what he's called to do. I am the voice of one calling out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah says. I am here to decrease. Remember this? Jesus must increase. Because there's going to be this challenge that's going to come in chapter 3 really quick. Because right now John's popular. He's got the crowds. Jesus has got a very small following. Chapter 3, it, sh it shifts. John is experiencing popularity. In chapter 3, what's going to happen is all his disciples go to Jesus. And John's disciples go, wait a minute. John, they're all leaving us. And you know what John says? And it's so amazing. As a pastor, it just, it just hits me to the core of my identity. He says, that's okay, because that's why I came, to get people to Jesus. And if my group diminishes so that Jesus' group increases, 
Praise God. I'm doing my job. I must decrease. He must increase. Because he knows who he is, he's okay when he goes through loss and difficulty and suffering. Because the world would say success is a full crowd, right? That, that's success. John says, no, success is glorifying God. Success is seeing people come to Jesus. And so he recognizes who he is. Verse 24. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees and they asked him, then why are you baptizing if neither, you're neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? And John answered, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even, who, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And these things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. John grew in his understanding of who he was. And because he understood who he was, he understood how he was to live his life into the world. Now, let's go back one more time to Peter. Let's go back to Peter. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. And again, what, what I'm showing you is that gr- coming to understand your identity, it's a process. Though there, in a key moment when you come to faith in Christ, you are who you are in Christ, just as when I got married, I was fully a husband at that moment. But I was a fool of a husband. I had no idea what it meant to be a husband, but I was a husband. And in the same way, and in Christ, you're fully in Christ, and yet we have to live that out in reality. And so let's go back to Peter in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. So watch this. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples. And here's the question. Who do the people say the Son of Man is? That's Jesus' reference to himself. Who do people say I am? And what we're going to find is the people are pretty confused. Verse 14. And they said, uh, some say, Jesus, you are John the Baptist, which is really weird. You're that guy that's white over there. Okay. Others said, you're Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. So the crowds are just absolute, I don't know who you are. They, they don't get it. And then he said to them, but who do you say that I do you know my identity? And Peter said, you are the Christ. Notice the same thing the Father, the Son of the living God. So Peter's knowledge of God is increasing. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now notice what happens is Peter comes to understand who God is. Immediately he comes to understand who he is. Next verse. And I tell you, Peter, I tell you, you are Peter. Now Peter means rock, so there's a play on words. Peter, you're the rock. And on this rock, now this rock refers to his proclamation. Jesus, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Peter, you're a rock, but I'm gonna build my foundation on the rock of your declaration of who I am, and you're gonna build my church. The gates of Hades will not prevail against it. See, God used this moment of revelation of who he was to help Peter to see who he is so that in life he would be a leader of the early church. He becomes the leader of the 12. See, his identity influences what he does, but it takes time for him to understand who am I? How am I called to live? And that's the Christian life. That's spiritual formation. That's discipleship. That's what we're doing together. Because a lot of us are carrying broken identities. Can we just be honest? We live in a broken world. And some of you carry lies from the past, and you're just living them right now. And somebody said something to you as a little girl. Or maybe they did something. You're 12 years old, defenseless. And you still carry that shame. You still carry that lie. And see, part of growing in in faith and growing in trusting God is transferring that. Say, God, this is what I think about myself. I need to trust in what you see. 
And I need to believe in who you say that I am. And, and listen, I need to be honest with the people around me so that you can partner with me and help me to see myself as God does. Listen, that is a process. But see, if you can't tap into where you are and what you're struggling with, then God can't heal that. He longs to. He wants to speak into your life, but to the degree you understand yourself, the things that are influencing, to that degree you can bring it to God, just like Peter. Because see, once Peter saw the love of God, he was like, listen, bring all that love in. Let me show you all my brokenness. Just come on in and cover it all, Jesus. Forgive me, love me, oh my gosh. I'm not the faithful one, you're the faithful one. I'm not the courageous one, you're the courageous one, but by trusting in you, remember what Paul said, in my weakness, His strength shows up so that I become strong. As you understand who you are, you understand how you're called to live. See, this also applies to us. I'm gonna go to one more passage. We're gonna close. Ephesians chapter five, verse one. Ephesians chapter five, verses one and two. Scripture is constantly reminding you of who you are so that scripture might influence how we live. Watch this. Therefore, be imitators of God. So that's a command. But here's your identity, as beloved children. Who am I? Listen, I know my sin, I know my faults, I know my failures, but in all that, my core identity is I am a beloved son, child of God. And here's God's command, walk in love. As Christ, notice here's the context, as Christ loved you, Jason, and as Christ gave yourself, sometimes put you in there, Christ gave himself up for you, Jason, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice. Do you believe that? Jason, do you believe the core of your identity that Christ gave himself up for you? Not because he had to, he wasn't caught, he wasn't trapped, he loved you. You are a beloved child of God. Father, by faith, help me, help me to believe that. And if you do, you can live a life of love. Because you're your identity is not based on performance. It's not, hey, Christians, get it together. Live a life of love. And if you do, he'll love you. That's called religion. It's not good news. I mean, that's the, my life, right? I'll love you if you perform. I love you if you, you're great. Yet, no, he loves me even though I'm a sinner. And in that love, I can say, God, have all of me. I want my identity to be in what you've done, and therefore, if, if that's who I am and that's what you've done, then I take that resource out into the world and I can love the world because I'm experiencing love. Do you see that? As your knowledge of God increases, your knowledge of self increases. You know, in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, another great book, Pete Scazzaro, he tells this story of Rabbi Zuza. And when Rabbi Zuza was an old man, he stood in front of his congregation and he said this, he was talking about his death. He said, in the world to come, no one's gonna ask me, in the world to come, no one's gonna ask me, why weren't you more like Moses? Why weren't you more like David? Why weren't you more like Isaiah or one of the prophets? But in the world to come, they will look at me and they will say, why weren't you more like Zuza? God has fashioned you and created you. You are beautifully, you know this, and wonderfully made. And he has created you in Christ Jesus to do amazing works before the foundation of the world. Stop looking at everyone else. Start looking at your father. And would we begin 2023 with the one thing that changes things, which is faith. 
Because apart from faith and trust, it's impossible to please God. Regardless of where you are, we just, just admit to the Father, Father, I need to see myself as you see me. Over the next weeks, we're really going to unpack that identity and help us to understand what it means to live out of that. Hey, as we conclude today, we're going to celebrate communion together. It's an opportunity to rehearse the gospel, to realize that we're accepted by God. And I'm not accepted because I'm a pastor and I perform. I'm accepted because by faith I said, Jesus, save me, rescue me. I need a savior. I need a Lord, a redeemer. And through his life, death, and resurrection, through faith in what he has done, we are received by the Father. So if you didn't grab the elements on the way in, please grab those elements. There's some available in the corner, in the back. You can also come up front and grab the elements. And as we hold them, I don't know what the Holy Spirit's stirring in you. I know this week he was doing a lot in me as I was going through this, just doubting how God sees me and kind of pushing that away and said, there's no way God could see me like that. And just by faith, trusting God, you do see me that way. I believe, but help my unbelief. So let's spend a few moments just simply talking to God and, and allowing him to minister to us. Oh, that's painful. be to the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Father, thank you that you've chosen us before the foundations of the world. And so we offer to you those false identities, identities that honestly, they just protect us from the world, they protect us from others and really they're keeping us from you. And so in Jesus' name, we lay them down. We say, Satan, flee. May the lies be torn down. May the false identities be torn down and may hope and restoration and a new identity in Christ. Would we put it on today and by faith embrace what you say about who we are? That on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took he took bread, he broke it and gave thanks. And he said, take and eat for this is my body, which is broken for you. Let us receive it together.